0: sought after for their success, and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor.
1: Welcome. I'm Tom Lurie, and I'll be your host today. Our guest mentor today is Dave Liu who is a 30-year veteran of Wall Street and Silicon Valley. He is the author of The Way of the Wall Street Warrior. It is his first-hand account of how to get fired, hired, not fired, get ahead, survive, and excel in the world of work with the tips, tricks, and smart cuts he learned along the way. He has spent the bulk of his career in investment banking starting at the age of 19, before he could even join colleagues for the happy hour. He then joined a young investment bank, Jeffries, which had fewer than 200 employees and today is a multi-billion dollar diversified public company. Dave grew up with the firm and progressed rapidly to become managing director, co-running all digital media and internet banking services. He left on his own terms while on top. Dave, welcome to the show. You are a most interesting person. You've been an investment banker, an entrepreneur, an investor, wrote a book and Something that's near and dear to my heart, which we haven't discussed, a cartoonist. I, I was a cartoonist all through grade school, high school, and college, and still dabble at that from time to time, but I switched oil painting. So welcome to the show, Dave.
2: Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me on.
1: Uh, as I said, you have a most intriguing background. Uh, I, and let's start first with the crucibles, those things that uh, helped you develop your superpower. Uh, you had some obstacles to overcome. And what were they, and what did they, and overcoming them, how did you overcome them, and what did you learn from them?
2: Yeah, so I was born with a birth difference called a bilateral cleft lip and palate. And in layman's terms, what that is, is uh, parts of my brain and my, parts of my skull were not fused uh, correctly, so I actually had four clefts, two in the front, two inside. And so when I was born, I was actually born with a massive hole uh, in the center of my face, and, um unfortunately, that leads to a lot of complications. Um, if you kind of fast forward over my childhood, I had eleven craniofacial surgeries, so full- on, you know, six to seven hour surgeries, um, anesthetized uh, with, you know, months and months of recovery uh, after each one of those. Um, and then I had a treatment in the hospital and therapies and and whatnot, uh, up until the age of around 16, 17 years old. Um, And uh, unfortunately, one of the challenges with uh, the birth difference that I have is that it's highly visual. So you can't see it that well now. And uh, my face is the finished product (laughs) after uh, all those surgeries. Uh, But I was born with uh, very noticeable scars um, uh, on my face uh, growing up. Um, And unfortunately, that leads to people uh, staring at you, asking you questions around, uh, you know, what happened to you. Um, And then when you're uh, obviously a kid, uh, kids can be mean. Um, You know, I was called things like elephant boy and monster and and made fun of. Um, So um, childhood is tough in general, I think, for all of us. But uh, when you have what I have, I think it was uh, especially difficult. And so, uh, kind of fast forward a little bit of a spoiler alert. Um, I dedicate my life now to really helping people that are born with the same uh, birth difference. Um, and I raise money and I try to provide kind of moral support for those uh, people that are going through that crucible right now, uh, being forced in it. Um, so, I'd say that that is probably the most prominent uh, crucible that I grew up in uh, growing up. And um, I, I would admit to you that when I was growing up, I definitely thought of it as a curse. I thought of it as something uh, that maybe you know some divine entity had bestowed upon me because I had done something wrong in a prior life. But now that I'm at the ripe old age of 50 um, and can really appreciate uh, kind of my life and where things have ended up, uh, I really do believe it was a blessing and not a curse. And I would say that the the one major thing that it taught me um, really through more, more osmosis and not necessarily because I uh, opted in uh, was that it taught me to have a really thick skin. It taught me to uh, frankly not care what other people think uh, about me uh, and really focus on myself and focus on trying to make myself a better person. and when you enter the rough and tumble world of uh, Wall Street, uh, Silicon Valley, Hollywood, any of these an, an industries where there's a lot of compensation and power um, at stake, um, what I have found is that they uh, are more defined by the laws of the jungle rather than uh, you know laws that, that you might develop at kindergarten. And so the uh, ability to I have a thick skin, to uh, focus on achieving uh, my goals and what I'm uh, trying to accomplish, um, I think we, were really forged in me as a young person and I think really helped me become uh, a really good businessman and a really good um, uh, captain, if you will, um, through all of these industries, uh, particularly as I was rising the corporate ladder and the stakes were much higher you know where I was not only trying to build my career, but maybe I was also helping entrepreneurs with their own dreams and uh, helping them uh, raise money or sell their companies for billions of dollars. Um, so that I would say is the, probably the the number one crucible that had a huge impact on my life and continues to this day.
1: And your mother played an important role in giving uh, giving you the right mindset, didn't she?
2: Absolutely, I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for her. Not not just because she gave birth to me, but Um, When I was in my college years, uh, my father actually abandoned us. So I was largely uh, a single parent household Um, and we had a very tough time. We uh, didn't really have a whole lot uh, of anything. Uh, We used to uh, live in a one bedroom apartment, me and my younger brother and her. Um, We would uh, sell costume jewelry uh, on the weekends out of her uh, Honda Civic hatchback. And we weren't at food stamp level, but we're pretty close. We're probably only one or two shows uh, away from uh, being at that level. Um, And so I attribute all of my success to her. Um, You know, she instilled in me uh, all the uh, good work ethic. And, you know, frankly, she also loved me unconditionally. And I think that when you are uh, struggling just in general, uh, but then on top of that, um, you feel ostracized from, from society because of maybe the way you're born or the way you look. Um, I think having that strong foundation from your family, uh, in my case, my mother, uh, really grounded me and helped me uh, throughout my career and my life. Um, And that's why, you know, when I wrote my book, um, I I clearly dedicated it to her because uh, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be the man I am today without her.
1: Well, uh, we haven't discussed this, but I spent a number of years in plastic surgery. And I know a lot of plastic surgeons who donated a great deal of time all around the world in helping people with cleft palates. So I'm very familiar with that. And also, I was a single parent. I was more like in your mother's shoes. My uh, first wife uh, decided she didn't want to be a mom anymore, and she took off, and I ended up raising my kids. So we have some Uh, some crossover there in terms of from a different point of view but I certainly can have a lot of empathy for both of those things so we're going to come back in a few minutes with our guest mentor successful entrepreneur and former investment banker Dave Liu who's sharing his tips and tricks and smart cuts that will help you survive and thrive in your career go to our website thementorsradio.com and click on a list of shows to listen to past guests including Ram Charan Dolores Hart Rich Carlgaard and Harold Burson this is Tom Laurie and you're listening to The Mentors Radio Show And now, back to
0: The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: Welcome back, this is Tom Loy, and I'm with guest mentor Dave Liu, former Managing Director of Digital Media and Internet Banking at Jeffries, a mid-market investment bank. Remember, you can also listen to the show or any previous show via podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, Google, and more on any device at any time. You can subscribe at TheMentorsRadio.com. So while we were on break, we were talking a little bit about social media and the challenges today. Why don't you share a little bit of your insights on today versus when you were growing up and the challenges that somebody uh, with a uh, cleft might have in the, to the world we live in today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the one of the great things I think about uh, what I've been able to live through is I've been able to be at the uh, forefront of the the birth of the internet. So I was a investment banker uh, in the web one era you know, in the nineties through aughts, you know, the web two era, uh, and now in the web three era, mostly as an investor and a, and a board member and a founder. Um, but, I, but I've certainly seen kind of the the uh, rise of social media uh, during these last 20 years, 20, 30 years. Um, and I compare it and contrast it against um, the uh, environment that I grew up in. And I think one of the, the really big differences, Tom, which I think is something that uh, we all deal with, uh, and it's not just people with a birth difference, um, is uh, the the Joneses. So being constantly compared, either uh, we compare ourselves or others compare ourselves to one another. And when I was growing up, um, it wasn't that easy to do that. Um, you would just kind of compare yourself to your, you know, small circle of friends or classmates. Um, but, you know, in general, the uh, demographic stratification, the uh, the range of uh, people's level of attractiveness, um, you know, is, is a much tighter uh, spectrum, if you will, to compare yourself against. Uh, and therefore, it's a much tighter spectrum to feel bad about yourself <laughs> if you're not as attractive, not as wealthy, not as powerful, et cetera. But today with uh, the birth of social media, obviously it's very easy to compare yourself to the entire planet. And what I've found is that Uh, the vast majority of social media has really been uh, used as a tool for people to amplify their own personal brand. And when you're uh, really young, uh, a lot of it relates to trying to be viewed as the cool kid, trying to be viewed as someone that other people will follow, trying to be uh, viewed as someone that is in the in crowd. And as a result, I think that a lot of us um, in this generation don't necessarily live our authentic lives online. And so, when you are a young person in today's environment and you have a difference, uh, that could be your gender, that could be your ethnicity. Uh, in my case, it was my uh, birth difference. Um, it's very hard to live up to those ideals that everyone else is posting constantly online. And I think that has a huge impact on your mental well being. Um, I, w- I will say to you that um, obviously, I'm very grateful that I was able to make it through that gauntlet and end up on the other end as a well-adjusted person. I think I'm uh, a very happy person. Uh, I think I'm um, very mindful about my life and what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, But I will admit to you that uh, in this day and age, I'm not sure I would have succeeded. I'm not sure with all of the uh, social media out there, whether I would have had the resilience to um you know come out the other end um and so as i shared with you a little bit on our on our break um i spent a lot of time not only uh raising money and donating to uh clef um uh, related charities but i also spend a lot of time mentoring and giving talks and trying to encourage uh, young people who have clefs um to think about what are some of the ways that you can find a, a safe home a safe haven and uh, for me I really relied a lot on my mother and my brothers and my family. Um, But one of the positives, if there is a positive from social media, is that today you can find uh, support groups. You can find people out there that are very like-minded. And it doesn't have to be just Clef. Obviously, if you're a CEO that's struggling to deal with all the pressures of being a CEO, uh, today you can find other groups uh, of people that are going through the same challenges as you, uh, and that can be your support group. That can be your your um, safe haven, if you will, where you can voice some of the challenges that you're dealing with and find empathy from others. So today, what I try to do is I try to not only encourage some of the um, younger people to uh, learn and perhaps be inspired by my story, but also seek out other groups um, perhaps online, ideally better in the real world, but try to find other groups of people that are going through very similar challenges.
1: This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the mentors radio show. We are with investment banker, former investment banker, Dave Liu, author of the way of the wall street warrior very quickly. And then we're going to jump into another subject. So you've got some children, right? You've got a couple of kids.
2: Yes. I have two sons.
1: So what is, so with all of this that you've just shared with the audience, what are you doing to make sure your kids, I know they, I am assuming they don't have a cleft palate, but still, they're still subject to all this stuff on social media. What is your antidote? Uh, what would you tell a parent uh, today uh, with regards to social media and their children?
2: So I, I tell, I'll, I'll just tell you what I tell my boys and what I do with my boys, uh, because I, I believe that that is the best way of teaching people uh, new behaviors is not to tell them what to do, but to just say, look, this is what I did and this is what I'm doing and perhaps it works for you, maybe it doesn't, but I'm not going to lecture you on how to live your life. So when if someone asks me for uh, parenting advice, I'll I'll just tell them what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not going to judge their situation. So with my two boys, I have a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old, and we are trying uh, as long as possible not to give them cell phones uh, to really limit their screen time uh, on their iPads. We try to make sure that the time they spent Um, online are you know with relatively safer you know environments Um, but I do try to pound into them um, a couple key principles that uh, that have really guided me so one of the things that I try to tell them is that the root of happiness the root of being happy with yourself with your life with everything is gratitude and being happy with what you've been given and be uh, grateful for what you've been given and and think about that every day as uh, you know ideally <laughs> throughout the day But I, I really do believe that people that are grateful tend to be a lot happier than people people are not um, And then the 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 uh, The opposite side of that coin if you will as I tell them that I firmly believe that the root of all evil the root of all Unhappiness is resentment uh, feeling that the world owes you something the feeling that others who are less deserving are getting more than they're just desserts, and you resent them for that. Now, I'll be the first to admit, Tom. Like these are very hard, right? These are these are these are wired in our uh, human DNA. But whenever I catch my boys either uh, feeling, you know, not as happy as as they should be, or or, or feeling angry. Or uh, resentful to other people, I, I remind them of that, and and I think it tends to be a little bit of a north star for them, where it kind of helps them tack back to, uh, you know, kind of a more a balanced uh, view of the world. Um, but that's just a, a, a small example of what I try to do as a
1: dad. So, um, well, there's a lot there to unpack, and and I know because we talked about this last week. You know, there's economic turbulence and. Social media plays a big role in uh, when people get hired, when they're interviewing. Uh, you talk about you better go through and clean this, clean your social media. Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about that as well, how damaging that can be.
2: Yeah, absolutely, because um, in, in today's day and age, uh, it's very easy to uh, figure out like who someone is online or at least uh, get a sense of their persona. And what I've seen in the hiring that I've done, and I've hired thousands of people uh, during my career, uh, is that some of the uh, younger generation in particular uh, are not aware that some of these things that they put online can come back and bite them. And ultimately, you want to have uh, your true authentic self, I think, you wanna bring your authentic self to work. But sometimes, some people are too authentic. And there are certainly things that you don't necessarily want to articulate uh you know online through pictures or through your actions and I'll, I'll give you just two examples you know at the end of the day um, people we know are very much motivated by money and motivated by uh, you know getting ahead in their career but companies don't necessarily want to hear that or want to see that uh, front and center we, we all know that's kind of the elephant in the room but we, we would like to think that people are motivated more by a mission or by a greater good and not necessarily just motivated by money or by trying to get my job as your boss. Um, and it's very easy to actually demonstrate that through your social media, that you're actually more motivated by that than anything else.
1: Well, let's hold that thought. We're going to come back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, successful entrepreneur and former investment banker, Dave Liu. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show.
0: And now... Back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: Welcome back, this is Tom Loi and I'm with guest mentor Dave Liu, former managing director of digital media and internet banking at Jefferies, a mid-market investment bank. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your career. You had a, what I would call a meteoric rise. There's a couple of things that stood out. Uh, the book is outstanding, it's packed for the for my audience. It's packed with all sorts of things that are career related that people will find of interest regardless of uh, your walk of life. But uh, you 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 became a managing director at a pretty young age, uh, as I, I recall. Uh, tell us a little bit how you moved. You started at 19 uh, in Goldman Sachs, I believe it was, or yep. with somebody. Yep. Uh, and then how old were you when you became a managing director?
2: Uh, around 33.
1: So that's a pretty young age for a managing director. And you also, I think it's another key thing, is you got into a company, Jeffrey's. Let's talk a little bit about the history. That's interesting. Um, when it was a young company in a grew. And I fortunately, my career started with a young company called American Hospital Supply. And I caught the wave in the medical device business because I got in early, Uh, although the investment banking business has been around for a while. But you came in at a time and Jeffries was formed after we saw the exits of Smith, um, Alex Brown, Montgomery, Robertson, a whole bunch of the mid-market firms just disappeared because they were gobbled up by the big guy. So talk a little bit about your journey to the top.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So when I was coming out of school, as I mentioned, I was uh, in a pretty tough financial situation. And I realized pretty quickly that investment banking, Wall Street was something that uh, I think I could be pretty good at. And I could frankly make a lot of money really quickly so that I would be able to pay back $100,000 of school debt that I graduated with and also be able to help my mother sending sending money home and helping her you know, get out of that one bedroom uh, apartment that we were in. So I entered the industry at a very young age. Um, started, as I mentioned in my book, I started at Goldman Sachs as a, as a, uh, a summer uh, intern uh, analyst. Um, and then when I graduated, I had a lot of different options. Uh, could have gone to not only the Goldman Sachs of the world, but some of these you know younger startup uh, investment banks. Um, then I got this random call from Jefferies uh, when they were only a few years old. Uh, their investment banking group was uh, really nascent. They, had, they actually hadn't generated any re- revenue uh, as an investment banking team when, when I joined them. And uh, really, the, the main reason why I went there was I felt that the prospects of the firm were going to be really good. And as a young person, I would have insight and access to very senior people. One of the things I noticed when I was at Goldman was that uh, in investment banking, you have these things called working group lists, which show all the people that are assigned on a deal. And what I noticed was the recent graduates from college were at the very bottom of that list, and there were um, you know piles and piles of people above them. So there were many, many layers up into the senior person. And even within each layer, there were lots of other people. So I looked at that, and I said, wow, if... If corporate America is a totem pole, like I'm really at the bottom of the bottom (laughs) below lots of different people. But at Jefferies, because it was a young firm, uh, a lot of the deal teams were really small. So I could see immediately that if I was part of a a transaction or a deal team at Jefferies, uh, I would get much more exposure to senior people. And then Jefferies Investment Banking Group was really seated with a lot of senior bankers from another firm, Drexel Burnham, which was a firm that was run by... Uh, Michael Milken, who uh, invented uh, the high yield market, uh, uh, a segment of the uh, fixed income market. And uh, when I saw that, I said, okay, not only could I be part of a firm that could grow very rapidly, but I could be part of a firm where I could learn directly at the foot of many Jedi masters. And perhaps this could help my overall career because I'm a big believer that if you learn more and you work hard, eventually things do take care of themselves. So I joined Jeffries at a really young age, um, as you mentioned. You know, I got promoted really fast. I was promoted faster than anyone in the firm's history at every level, um, and I ultimately became a managing director at the uh, age of 33. Uh, and I was running uh, the internet group, and uh, I was a co-head, and I was also doing other things in in capital markets. Um, but if I were to say, Tom, like, okay, what if you were to really distill it? What what would you attribute your success to uh, in terms of rising that quickly? I would say there are really two things. One is that I I started to really learn over that period of time, um, you know, how to understand how people tick, like what what makes them tick, what what are their motivations, how do I get not only people that are working for me to bring their best self and do their best work, but also how do I Uh, manage my boss so that my boss feels incented to promote me, to pay me more, to want to see success in my career. And the same thing when I ultimately had my own book of business and I had my own clients, I thought deeply about how do I help my clients so my clients want to help me in my career. And so I'd say first and foremost, it was really getting to the heart of what motivates people so that I can then think about how to build incentives for them to not only help themselves, but help me. Uh, and then the second, it was just good old fashioned hard work. Uh, for a long, long time, I worked really, really, really hard. I was uh, averaging between 80 to 120 hours a week for over 20 years. Now that, that is a ton of time. That's a ton of time away from uh, spending you know, uh, time uh, fishing or frankly, raising your your own children. And that was frankly a big part of the reason why when I turned 40, I decided to start my process of leaving the firm. Because at that age, I had my second son and I really hadn't spent a whole lot of time with my first son. And I didn't want to become a cliche dad. And so that's why after a great 20 to 24 year career, uh, I ultimately left the business. It It took a little while to get out. because. Uh, Wall Street's a little bit like the Mafia. You don't you don't leave the Mafia, the Mafia leaves you. Um, but ultimately I was able to leave after about 24 and a half years uh, and become a good dad and, and do a lot of other things with my life.
1: So one of the things you mentioned in the last segment was about uh, money and uh, being in it for the money and all that, not saying you were, but I'm sure you had that motivation, I'm sure. I wanted to share with you the story of an analyst that uh, was world renowned in the tech field, which is where I spent a lot of time. And he was uh, one of the top analysts and he was at Merrill Lynch. And he ended up being recruited by Medtronic. And he was made director of strategic planning or VP of strategic planning or something like very bright guy. Uh, and I got on the phone with him. and I says, hey, how's it going at Medtronic? And he goes, boy, I'll tell you, it's so different. It is so different. He said, everything on Wall Street had to do with how much money you were making. He says, these people really are focused on doing something good. <laughs> I, I thought you could a good kick out of that so uh when we come back uh after the break i, w- I want to talk a little bit about the number of companies you work with a little bit about some of those companies CEOs that you met along the way that may have impressed you because as a banker, you're dealing with CEOs, the whole executive team of companies. And I think you may have some insights for us on that. So we're going to come back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, successful entrepreneur and former investment banker, Dave Liu, who's sharing his tips and tricks and smart cuts that will help you survive and thrive in your career. This is Tom Laurie and this is the Mentors Radio Show.
0: And now... Back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with guest mentor Dave Liu, former managing director of digital media and internet banking at Jefferies, a mid-market investment bank. So let's go a little bit more into uh, your achievements. I mean, how many companies did you work with over the years? How many deals did you do? How much capital did you raise for these companies? That's really the name of the game. And I, I do want to add... A lot of people don't really have an appreciate. Many people don't because they don't understand the business, don't understand investment banking. But for a guy like me that's got a biotech company, people like you and others that help us bring in the capital to fulfill our mission, you're just absolutely critical to the effort. So I just want to make that uh, comment for the audience that you're. it's not all about money. It's you guys really are there providing a real service because you have a lot of sources to go for for the money. So with that, tell us a little bit about what you achieved while you were there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I I try to explain to people, particularly given that I started my career in Los Angeles, uh, not in New York, and in LA, not a lot of people know what investment bankers do is I just tell people I'm a source of liquidity. So what I do is I try to find liquidity for companies that can be giving them capital, selling them, et cetera. Um, And so my whole life, my whole career has been around providing liquidity in the form of either helping founders, CEOs sell their companies or raising capital for them. Uh, And with that lens, I've done well over $15 billion worth of transactions either by raising capital through IPOs or by selling businesses um, during my career uh, on Wall Street. Um, I would say that in terms of completed transactions, I've done well north of 200 uh, deals uh, during my investment banking career. So, kind of the first half of my career as a as an advisor. Um, but I have probably worked with thousands, if not you know tens of thousands of companies over my career. Because there's a lot of situations where you might be helping a company uh, with their business plan or giving them some advice and. Uh, either they don't need a banker, or they choose another firm. Uh, so not all relationships uh, that you develop on the uh, corporate side turn into uh, fee-paying transaction opportunities. Um, and during my career, I had the opportunity to work with all stages of companies. So. I've worked with companies where I just got to know the founders when they were two guys in a garage. So very classic, uh, Hewlett Packard, you know Palo Alto, you know Silicon Valley. Um, I got to know them, helped them for seven, eight, nine years, and then ultimately I was also one of the people that helped them go public uh, when they finally reached that uh, IPO escape velocity. Um, and I've also worked on the other spectrum where I've worked with uh, mega mega cap. Um, you know, internet companies, software companies that are looking for advice on divesting a division or acquiring something, and that company is run by a ton of corporate people. Uh, they're not necessarily wearing suits, but they're the proverbial suits. They're the people that that go, you know, to the office in their Teslas, and their uh, uh, all their food is free, and they're they're making hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of dollars a year. Um, and they need uh, someone like me to help them think about uh, what are the things we should buy, as well as what are some of the assets that we should uh, divest. So. It really helped me a lot later on in my second half of my career as an entrepreneur, because it helped me kind of think about what are some of the challenges of people that are trying to either create an idea and then bring it to fruition, or they already have some kind of uh, USS Battleship enterprise business, and they're trying to protect it as much as they can from like invaders and from other competing companies.
1: This is Tom Laurie listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We're with investment banker, Dave Liu, author of The Way of the Wall Street Warrior. Yeah. Um, as we go forward here, what are, what are some of, what when you think of the most successful CEOs, what were the maybe two or three traits that just, I mean, thinking now you're an entrepreneur, you, you learned a lot from all these people. If you were to have three takeaways from the people you really admired, uh, what would they be?
2: I'd say two of them were, were actually the ones I used to rise a corporate ladder. So they work really hard and they really know uh, how people work. Okay. So... I don't wanna use the word manipulation, but they know how to get employees to do what they want. They know how to convince customers to buy. They know how to convince investors, uh, maybe through FOMO to invest like now rather than wait. Um, But I think really understanding how to get to the heart of people's motivations and create incentives for them to do what they want. That is a very clear characteristic of all the really successful CEOs and founders that I worked with. Um, But the third one, uh, which, which is, really needed if you're selling a product or service, so you're not an advisor, is really knowing your customer. And um, many of the top CEOs that I worked with um, were religious about this. Um, you know, they they get like really into the weeds. You know, there, there's a lot of sometimes criticism of CEOs that, you know, are really micromanagers. Um, but what I have found is that if, if you if you have a period of time where you're micromanaging, you're really getting into the heart of the service or products that you're building, then you have much more insight into your customer than CEOs that are sitting at, in some ivory tower and looking at PowerPoints all day. Um, and so I would say those are, Tom, those are probably like the three main characteristics that I've seen as commonalities among the, you know, the hundreds of CEOs that I worked with that were able to, you know, have a successful IPO or successful uh, m
1: of their of their business so the so let's come back when people you know because yours is i mean the business you were in is a relationship business i mean you may not get a transaction but i've known bankers over the course of my career and they've built nice relationships and it's just a matter of when you have the bake-off on who's gonna end up getting it but
2: that's why i got to know thousands of companies but did hundreds of transactions right
1: and what if if people were talking about you, what is it that they'd be talking about? And I'm getting back to relationship.
2: Yeah. I think that the, I think there's probably three things that I'm, I was very well known for. Uh, one was working really hard. Like you could, you could ping me, call me anytime, any day, any hour. It doesn't matter. Right. Like I was always available. I was 24, seven. It was like seven, 11, 24, seven. Right. uh I'm, I, I was always known like that. And then second was that I was generally known as a good guy. Like I was not, um, because, because I prided myself in not being uh, so transaction focused. Uh, a lot of investment bankers, um, even though they they all say they're relationship builders, they're so transparent. It's obvious that if there's not a fee, they can smell right there. They're gone. You know, they're they're gone like the roadrunner. You know, you'll never see them, right? Uh, but but I made it. Uh, I really made it part of my uh, mo to uh, to be viewed as someone that is not just here for a fee. Obviously, at some point you know, we need we have a business to run, but I'm here really here to help you and build a relationship. So that's the second thing. And and then the third thing is like um I couldn't be all things to all people. So so I tried to pick sub segments where I could be like a ninth degree black belt. So one of the areas that I was known really well in the valley was for ad tech. Like I was like Mr. AdTech uh because that's a that's a very complicated segment of the internet. Uh, all the other, you know, kind of fly-by-night bankers were all like consumer internet guys, right? Because that's kind of easier to cover. Uh, I covered those too, but I was very, very much focused on ad tech uh, and being a specialist in a subsector.
1: And what, for the audience, what's ad tech?
2: Oh, uh, advertising technology. So it's all the the guts and the uh, the, the back office stuff that help uh, these, these big internet companies monetize you. <laughs> so how do they figure out how to monetize your presence and your audience?
1: And have you carried that forth, uh, that, that knowledge into the uh, ventures that you're invested in or working in? I mean, is, did you build on the ad tech part of your portfolio as you move forward? Or are you kind of on a diverse uh, portfolio with investments of your time and money?
2: So I did do a few, uh, but what I find, what I've found through my you know twenty plus year career covering the space, is that essentially it's a middleman business, it's an arbitrage business. You're essentially trying to monetize uh, people's traffic, and arbitrage businesses eventually go away. So although I had one uh, investment where I was on the board and we had an exit, uh, generally I've actually stayed away from those kind of businesses. I try to focus on businesses that are on one or the other side of the, the, the bookend. So they're either de- de- delivering a service directly to companies. Uh, so there's no middlemen, they're a software as a service and companies are using that software to help them with their business. Or I invest in businesses that are brands that own the consumer. So uh, I'm involved in an online gaming company where we make uh, hyper casual games like Solitaire and word games and jigsaw puzzle games. And our core asset is our hundreds of millions of users that download our games. Um, So ad tech is kind of, um, you know, the nuts and bolts that are kind of in the middle and that's a middleman game. And as an investor, uh, as an entrepreneur, that hasn't really been uh, really exciting for me because I I always worry about the middleman getting squeezed.
1: All right, we're gonna come back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, successful entrepreneur. And investment banker Dave Lou. You'll find all of our show notes and links at the mentorsradio.com. When you're there, make sure you subscribe so you do not miss any of our shows. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now back to the
0: Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: Welcome back. This is Tom Lauren. I'm with guest mentor Dave Liu, former former managing director of digital media and internet banking at Jefferies, a mid-market investment bank. Uh, and you were talking some of the things you were involved in in the last segment. And one of the things that caught my eye uh, is that you have some involvement with Phil's Coffee. Yes. Best darn coffee in the world. They finally put one over anywhere where I live. Uh, people need to go to Phil's. Not that we're doing an advertisement for him, but boy, I'd tell you, that's great coffee. How did you get involved with them?
2: So I was uh, starting to dabble in some angel investing many years ago, and I got a call from the founder of a site called angel List, which is a site that uh, is really, has exploded. It's become like this site where all these people like their LinkedIn profiles, they create their profiles of being a- angel investors. And um, the, the founder pinged me and said, hey, uh, Phil's is, is raising around. You know, would you be interested in participating? And to be honest, my initial reaction was like, nah, I'm not interested. But let me think about it. Because earlier in my career, before I went into tech, uh, I was doing a lot of consumer deals. So um, early in my career, I was involved with you know things like you know Noah's Bagels and Mrs. Fields and some of these other. Uh, consumer brands, and you know what I found with a lot of these businesses is they go through a life cycle, right? They they're really hot, they're really faddish for a while, and then boom, you know they start to collapse over time, and they're stuck with all this real estate, and the business turns uh, pretty quickly. Um, and that's frankly the flip side of that. That's why I love businesses that are digital and things like software and internet, which are ideally infinitely scalable. Um, but you know, I went home. And uh, I mentioned it in passing to my wife, I said, hey, you know, just FYI, you know, uh, there's an opportunity for us to invest in Phil's. I assume we're not interested. And she just looked at me like, what, are you crazy? Like, we should invest. And what she reminded me of is that uh, that company, and even to this day, has a rabid fan base. The customers love the product, which in and of itself is already addictive. um, But the customers love the product and they evangelize it. Um, and w- what I learned very quickly was sometimes the best companies are not necessarily built on any unique technology. They're, they're just representative of a lifestyle, a, a ethos that consumers just love. Um, and that was, frankly, the reason why ultimately we decided, yeah, let's, let's invest. And uh, we've been investors in a company for a really long time. And I've been so happy with everything that the company's been able to achieve as it's expanded around the country.
1: And you're, you are a cartoonist and you've, you've got a blog, you've got a, tell me a little bit about what you have in terms of your own online presence.
2: Yeah. So I have a website lucrative.com. It's a play on my name, L-I-U-C-R-A-T-I-B-E. And I have to give a shout out to my wife. My wife was the one who came up with the name. When I was retiring from banking, I wanted to create a holding company where I could house not only my investments, but my uh, projects. I knew I wanted to experiment with creating media, whether that be print media or written media or video media. And uh, she came up with the word lucrative because uh, it's really stuff that's really interesting to me <laughs> that I find personally rewarding. So lucrative.com is my website and I put on there things like all the companies I've worked with in the past. Um, there's quite a number of them, uh, my current investments, uh, my investment philosophy. But I also put a few other things on there like uh, you know, obviously stuff related to my book, but Uh, a cartoon series. And uh, I have really two cartoon series. One is uh, part of my career book, The Way of the Wall Street Warrior. Um, I wrote a book that hopefully when people look at it, they see it's a little different. It's 30 chapters with cartoons uh, in each chapter. Um, And then I have another uh, cartoon series called The ABC Life, uh, which stands for American Born Chinese, The American Born born Chinese Life, uh, where um, I realized that There really no cartoon strips about asian american families uh and so i decided to create one myself uh it's been running on a bunch of websites uh and it's been fun and a lot of it is frankly based on my life as a dad
1: we're, we're running out of time we're going to get those posted on our website for the audience so they can go there i've really enjoyed having you as a guest dave and uh as i said we've got so much more material to cover we'll have to bring you back next year uh sometime uh We've been talking with successful entrepreneur and former investment banker, Dave Liu. He's been sharing his tips and tricks and smart cuts that will help you survive and thrive in your career. He has a book out, which will be posted to our website, The Way of the Wall Street Warrior. So go to TheMentorsRadio.com and you can click on that to find out where you can get that book. You can um, make it easy on yourself and subscribe to future shows. Join us next week at the same time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember, to be all that you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness.
0: It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to thementorsradio.com. That's www.thementorsradio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.